0: Hey again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of The Hallowed Ground. Today, three doors down. Can you tell how excited we are?
1: I gotta tell you, man, Kryptonite, Here Without You, when I've done. this band, to me, it's so funny because my wife introduced me to them. You know, I'm, I'm a big, uh, you guys know me, big fish head, Grateful Dead. She makes me a uh, mixtape after we were dating for maybe a week, two weeks. She goes, ah, I, know, I know you love fish, but maybe you'll like these guys. Three doors down, nothing like fish. <laughs> but... Really like heavy hitting guitar, unbelievable vocals. Um, I, I was a fan you know, pretty much since that mixtape. And
2: they had a lot of
1: hits throughout the year,
2: still together, still making music, celebrating the 20th anniversary, I guess the 21st anniversary
1: of their big album. But they're still making music together. They're still touring. And yeah, we have Brad Arnold joining us, lead singer. Um, he's been quarantined on his farm for a while. So I'm excited to kind of hear some of the, the things he's been getting into there. Not to mention he's got a new solo album coming out, so should be interesting to talk about that.
0: All right, let's get to it. Brad Arnold, Three Doors Down. Let's get a little background and then welcome him. The story of Three Doors Down's genesis can be traced back to the schoolyards and ball fields in Mississippi in a small town with fewer than 4,000 residents 35 miles east of Biloxi. Founders Brad Arnold and Matt Roberts' middle school project would turn out to be one of the best-selling bands of the 2000s, skyrocketing to fame with the album The Better Life off the single Kryptonite, which placed in the top three in the Billboard Hot 100 chart, as well as Loser and Duck and Run. The record would be 11th best-selling album of the year and certified seven-time platinum in the United States. band is celebrating the 20th anniversary of their debut opus, The Better Life, with a special anniversary edition that includes original demo recordings from 1996. The Hallowed Ground is pleased to welcome Brad Arnold from Three Doors Down. Brad, thank you so much for joining us.
1: My absolute pleasure, man. Thank y'all for having me. So, Brad, you know, 2020 was obviously a very down year for most bands, you know, of course, live music. But, you know, you guys were in the in the midst of a few very significant milestones. You know, 20th anniversary of your debut album, The, the Better Life. You branched out, released your first solo single, The Wicked Man, which is awesome, by the way. Congratulations. How nice. did let's talk a little bit about the pandemic. Like, how did that really affect your plans and change things? And what does it look like? Yeah. For you?
3: Yeah, man. Uh, we well, 2020 was the 20th year anniversary of our uh, of our record, The Better Life, that came out in 2000, and we had uh, we'd already been working through '99 and and uh, on up into our uh, uh, 2019 rather. We had uh, been working on the uh, the the tour for 2020 and getting that all going, and um, so it just all kind of like fell through you know and and so uh, uh, over the course of like you know doing interviews in 2020 i was like well you know in the perfect world we'll just move the whole thing over to 2021 well here we are in 2021 and mm. and uh and so it didn't happen at all and so now we're kind of maybe hearing some chatter about maybe tours starting and then later on in the uh in the year and i'd be damn man we're doing our 2020 anniversary tour <laughs> so, There you go. <laughs> so, so as far as like a band sitting here going like, well, what are we going to play on it? So our plans were to go out and play, you know, like play the hits that people want to hear and stuff. But uh, at the same time, like play the better life from front to back. And man, oh, cool. I still want to do that. And so we've done these three um, like live stream things. And the first one that we've done, we played the better life. It front to back. And it was so fun to do, man, that uh, if, if and when we do uh, get back on tour uh, later on this year, I want to do that record just from front to back, man, because it was such a fun thing to do, and I want people to to just stand in the crowd and be able to hear us play it front to back, you know. Yeah. And uh, and um, so you know, it just kind of it up, it, just the every, the whole world was in upheaval all last year, you know, and we just kind of rolled with it, and it sucked to not be able to go out on tour, but on a personal level, man, I've, it gave me a chance to be at home and. I can't say that I honestly didn't enjoy that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And you're you're in Tennessee, right? Basically, you have you have a farm. You seem like very active, outdoorsy. What mm-hmm. kind of things have you been doing to keep yourself
3: busy? I bought a skid steer. That's what? <laughs> what is that? About <laughs> like a you know like a bobcat, like the little mini loaders with the little track, like a little scat, uh track steer. You know, was, they have like the bucket, but it's like right in front of you and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. But uh. I bought one of those. <laughs> yeah. and yesterday, So I bought, yesterday I went and got a stump bucket for it, which is a kind of like, you know, like a, a, a rather than it's like a dirt bucket, it, it attaches in the same place, but it goes down to really thin in the front, where it's probably yeah. only like eight inches wide in the front. It's just, it's got four big teeth on it. just made to like dig into a stump and like just pluck <laughs> it out of ground. <laughs> That's awesome. And so I went and got that because I've, I've been cleared a bunch of these uh, fence lines and stuff. And uh, and but I've I've left with these stumps and it's they're painting the ass to mow around and stuff you know and yeah. uh, so I've been plucking them up out of the ground, but also to go along with uh to go along with all the brush and stuff that I'm getting, I bought like a set of grapple for the front of it, which is just a big set of, of like double claws as I you know claws on the bottom and top and they just close together. But uh-huh. yesterday I had it out my I just got it yesterday and I I had to put some hookups on it uh to. The right kind of attachments on it, and I didn't think I had them, but I found some, and I was so excited. Well, <laughs> let me back up. So when I was a kid, I—I I mean, I love music. I've loved music since I was a little—a little baby, and I'm the youngest of seven kids. So I always grew up listening to whatever my brother and sisters listened to. Yep. But when I was a kid, I loved monster trucks, and I went to everyone that ever came by. <laughs> and if you remember monster truck shows, like back in the '80s, they were monster, kind of a yeah. sideshow to like mud bogs and stuff like that. Anyway, but You remember, like, when they had some of, like, at that that same time, they had, like, some of the tank track trucks and stuff. Mm -hmm. They started making out a van. And then they had, like, the the big dinosaur that would come out there and just, like, rip cars apart and stuff, you know? Well, I was the driver of that yesterday. I was just looking for anything in my yard (laughs) that I could could grab with these claws on the front of the skid steer and just rip this shit (laughs) was, And I was inside the cab of it just, like, going, my wife was rolling. He was like, You are a child. And I was like, You're right. I am. (laughs) That's awesome.
2: That seems so so rock and roll. It's incredible.
3: (laughs) I'm just, man, well, you you can't give an old redneck no money.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Make that the promo. Can we just clip that and make that the promo?
3: (laughs) Exactly.
2: Uh, Now, you you plant those. Of those virtual shows, what what was that experience like for you? Obviously, you didn't have the chance to really, you know, feed off the crowd in the same way. Yeah.
3: You know what? I, honestly, I just kind of had to envision, you know, because you're sitting there on like a soundstage, and that one in particular, we filmed those three in, in, in the uh, warehouse of a lighting company here in Nashville, because they had all the rigging and stuff to put up the staging and stuff, you know? And um, But those rooms like that, notoriously just Aren't that wonderful sounding, you know? Um, and it's just full of cameramen. So honestly, man, you know, I just took my mind to a show. I was like, you know, they're not here, but they're watching, you know. And I just tried mm-hmm. to envision somebody sitting in their sitting in their living room, you know, and and uh, and watching it, and just try to convey that energy of uh, in, over to them. And and at the same time, man, it was just it was kind of double-edged because it was really really fun to be just playing just playing because our last show as a band was in september of 2019 mm-hmm. and uh, that was at our better life foundation show and um uh that's the last time we had played together since since and and so it was nice to uh to be back playing but at the same time man I, i'm pretty quiet around the house it's just me and my wife here and so we we're not really loud around here and i i don't really i don't walk around singing all the time and when I'm on tour, you know, you're always around a bunch of loud people and loud stuff. So I'm always loud and your voice is kind of like worked up to it. But man, when I got ready to go sing, I was not ready for that crap. <laughs> I went, <laughs> I can I just ask?
0: And- can I just ask, does the band do Zoom calls together? Like I, we do Zoom calls, we're all friends, but you guys are a rock band. Does a rock band do group Zoom calls? we tried to uh we tried to get together and write one day on zoom but it just it was
3: eh, it just kind of was what it you know i mean it was good in theory and i guess if you already had something in mind you were shooting to like maybe just fix a little part you could Mm -hmm. you could make that happen but as far as like you know having the emotion of sitting there writing a song mm, it just didn't work and honestly uh I, we, I mean, we're all we're all friends and stuff, but if we're not doing stuff. Everybody just kind of does their own thing. And those guys live about an hour from me. They live kind of north of Nashville. I live kind of south. and I don't, see, I don't see them very much. We're not we're not uh, out. I don't see anybody, man. I stay right here and I, me and my wife. I have to be about to drive that poor girl crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it looks like you got pretty much everything you need behind you with your drum kit, all the guitars. Um, i do man i guess during the pandemic too let's talk a little about your new single wicked man i mean your voice is as strong as it's been in 20 years you know the, the song's a little bit different than three doors down which is nice it's nice to, to see that from you um you know and it has like a little bit of that like you know what's going on in the world type of vibe and this was the song you wrote with greg upchurch right
3: your yeah drummer? yeah
1: yeah so so how long have you been wanting to do something like that on your own this is your first venture there
3: yeah it was it, you know it just kind of happened i've thought about maybe doing a solo thing before and not to get away from two doors down but it's just like you know certain things is just not for the, for the band you know it's like because that's not always the same kind of the only kind of songs i write you know and and uh with that one i didn't really have it in mind to do it for myself or the band but it just kind <clears> of <throat> excuse me it kind of worked out that way the best because uh I, Greg had, Greg come over and and would write with me uh, every now and then. we just get together just out of boredom, really, and he had some, Greg's a really good guitar player, too, uh, in addition to being a a great drummer, you know, but he'd come over with some parts, and he left that one with me one day, and he said, uh, if something comes to mind, uh, just let me know, and honestly, man, I had it for probably six months, and, and, uh, and, but but I'll write lyrics for something at totally different times sometimes, and, um, He, uh, I sent it back to him one day. I was like, "Man, I really want to write this." And I had kind of the chorus, and we worked it on up. And at the time, you know, with everything going on, and everything having to be social distanced, and all, and everything, and, and we were trying to be careful. Uh, it w- it didn't really work out to just to get the whole band in a studio. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Well, you know what? I just put it out myself because I really, you know, I, re- I knew it wouldn't do a whole lot, but I really didn't care because I, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't care." Um. You know, we've had hit songs by the grace of God. We've had a bunch of them, and mm. uh, we didn't think they'd ever be hit. You know, I, I w- it wasn't about making a hit. It was about putting out something that I that I personally believed And, You know, I think so. So much of what goes on in the world right now is is a facade. I don't want to get off too much in that. You know, but you know that there's so much more than what we see on the surface of, of TV. And I mean, come on, we're not idiots. No and, question. No question. And. And so much goes on in the world that I just I just felt that song was really appropriate. And, you know, and and, you're not going to attract a lot of bees with vinegar. And that's kind of a vinegary song, you know, Mm. but but I don't but there's enough honey around. (laughs) And I just wanted to put out something true, really, you know.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. So, I mean, let's talk songwriting. Let's let's rewind it to when you were 15 years old in high school. I envision you playing that like little triplet snare part on your desk of Kryptonite, you know, that, that was the song that really
3: launched your guy's career. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, man. It it was a, that song was was just one of those songs, you know, it's it's maybe not the most, well, well, it's definitely not the most meaningful song I've ever wrote, but it's one of those songs that it just kind of always, I've always described the same way. It's kind of hard not to tap your foot to, And that's what made Kryptonite work, you know? Um, it wasn't. It wasn't overly complicated song. It, we wrote that song, and I bet from from the time I probably wrote the lyrics in fifteen minutes, and we probably put it together at band practice that day in thirty minutes. And mm. it's not that it's. It, and I don't say that to say that it's without substance. It was just one of those things that just it just happened, and it was no. It wasn't hard to do, and and it, it seems like the best songs. Are like that you know i mean here without and not to jump off subject but just a just for an example like here without you that song was wrote in probably 30 minutes it's, it's like wow. uh, uh sometimes the the best songs are are the ones that you don't have to write they just kind of like they just kind of come out yeah you know, i've always said anyway i can't write a song so it's just in case they want to fall out of the sky and hit me in the face <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> well, the- you know kryptonite goes on the billboard hot 100 charts right and it's 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 alive but now it's on another list because there are so many media outlets that have lists of the greatest superman songs so the only question from the superman fandom is what's your connection to superman
3: well you know i i grew up liking superman you know and uh I didn't realize until not too long ago that uh, the first Superman actually came out the year I was born. And uh, so it was a few years the old. Movie, by the time I... the Superman yes. movie.
0: Yeah. Yes, Cause you'd yes. be 109 if, if, if... <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, but that, it did. And, you know, I didn't realize a lot of the, uh, the parallels in that song that went along with that movie. And uh, you know, and of course song is about Superman, but it's more honestly about the idea of him just being a, a powerful kind of iconic figure to look at. He's more of a constant in the story of, a, of an example of just a really just a question of, will you be there for me, whether I'm strong or whether I'm weak, you know, and sure. And I was talking about it and I've talked about it in a few interviews and it's, but it's pretty, it's pretty interesting over the years, how much that more that song meant to me, uh, and that question meant to me than it did when I was, 15 years old, because I mean, it's always fun. It had meaning about my friends or whatever when I was a kid, but it kind of just sounded cool too, you know? And, but that question, will you be there for me when I'm strong? Will you be there for me when I'm weak? Uh, has been, you know, it's come up a lot of times and I see it around a lot. And, and it's an interesting question because it's not necessarily the answer that you expect because sometimes it's a lot easier for somebody to be there for you when you're weak than it is for somebody to be there when you're strong, especially maybe when you're a little stronger than them, it's le- easier for them to hate on you. Sometimes it is to support you. And uh, so over the course of time, that song kind of gathered some new meaning for me.
0: I heard it the first time on Smallville. Smallville mm. came out right after you guys released that song and Smallville Again, was it's not about Superman. He didn't have the cape, but it was about a kid trying to learn his place in the world. And your song connected to so many fans that way.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's, it, it's a, it's amazing how it did, man. And and uh, it, you know, because every everybody can, I think that's the I think that's the thing about a song being successful is is it that so many people can identify with it in different ways. And make a connection to it in different ways, you know. Mm-hmm.
2: So looking back at twenty years, twenty-one years now from the Better Life, you know, can you think you, when you put that out, did you think you could ever achieve the kind of success that that album had? And then, obviously, you know, spurring the rest of the the career that you guys have had since here. You're, you're shaking your head, so I, I, I could tell you you had no idea what you're in for. <laughs>
3: I didn't, man. I, you know, it has, We have been so blessed. We never even tried to get signed, man. We were just, we were just kids in a band in South Mississippi, and I mean, it, and it happened to us almost like it happened on a movie, and it does not happen like that, you know. I don't. I don't. There's so many different ways about going, like the professional, I guess, really more strategic way about going and getting signed and being successful, and we had none of that, man. We. We, we had our local radio station. They were they they were our our way in, and, and then we did, I mean and we weren't trying to use them for our way in. You know, we uh, we were always friends with our local radio station, we're friends with all the DJs, and we play. You know, they look they have their local radio shows, and you go and local bands play at those and stuff. You know but our local radio station, down in Mississippi, WCPR, they also had a homegrown show that they played local music for an hour uh, once a month, and we'd go on that. We probably went on that show six or seven times. And they play, you know, we'd play Kryptonite. We had put Kryptonite in uh, about half the songs that become The Better Life were on this local uh, CD that we made. And some other songs, too. And those other songs we actually just put out in our 20-year box set, uh, release of The Better mm-hmm. Life. But, um, but so, you know, we'd go and play that show. And we'd get on there. And, and they get a lot of rest for Kryptonite. But, the, you know, we didn't realize that the, uh, the radio station just can't add a song. But finally we begged them and after about a year of begging them they added it and that's what got us signed. It became the most requested song on that station and and man we never we never dreamed. We never dreamed that we'd ever get signed. And you, and then after we got signed I remember thinking it was just only a few years after uh, the Marcy Playground Sex and Candy song came out, you know, and that was a big song. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking man if Kryptonite could be as big as Sex and Candy, that would be freaking pretty- <laughs> awesome man <laughs> and and it worked it was
1: <laughs> that's like totally the american dream right there it's crazy so when you guys broke you know music was definitely changing this was like about know backstreet boys britney spears in sync time you know how did you guys as a band really deal with that first real blast of like superstardom?
3: oh man i think we were all just i think we were all too kind of dumbfounded and starstruck just to jaw t- dropped right yeah, man. Because you go around on these. I remember playing the first time we ever went to an award show. I think it was the Billboard. Was the first time we ever played on one. I think we played "Loser" on it. And the uh, you know because you you kind of going off the success of your last song, but you're playing your current single on those shows, you know. And uh, so I think we played "Loser" on the Billboard. I think it's what it was. And dude, I was you're standing on that stage, and I mean, a year ago, I'm like, I still am just like a kid. And you're looking out of that crowd. And, you know, like you're seeing on, on TV, the cameras hitting on all these different stars sitting out in the crowd. And, I'm man, I'm looking through the front row, and there's like, freaking Janet Jackson. And there's all like Backstreet Boys over there, like Dr. Dre sitting out there. And you're sitting there like, holy shit, I got a thing. You know what I'm saying? And it's <laughs> like, oh. There's my entire like freaking childhood sitting there. Oh yeah, and there's the Foo Fighters. Oh, great, you know? <laughs> so, so
1: in that situation, I mean, you used to be able to hide behind a drum kit, no problem. I guess now it's not that easy to hide behind a mic stand. So what was that experience for you like coming out from from back there and now being the front man,
3: being up front, was- right in front of the stage? <laughs> it was an absolute adjustment man i just yeah. didn't i didn't know what to do i was i was so like i I always had drumsticks in my hands so there was this whole thing of what to do with my hands and and all that <laughs> um but it was it was just it was it was a lot less to do than being behind the drums so mm-hmm. and I, I i mean i can sit here and, and talk all day but when i get on stage i, just, I don't I, I, I don't talk on stage that much if i have something to say i will but I still, twenty years later, I just don't talk on stage that much. And plus, it always kind of aggravated me front man that kind of being talked all night. I'm like, shut up, play song.
2: Uh,
3: you know what I'm <laughs> saying? <laughs> they, man, they played for three hours. Yeah, but they didn't play with twelve songs. You know what I'm saying? But uh, anyhow, I did. It was a big adjustment. But I, I like being out front.
1: Um, you know, and you through the years, you've been on tour with you know how many different bands? Creed, Daughtry, Soul Asylum, Collective Soul. You know, let's say you had to quarantine yourself. Which one of those bands would you quarantine yourself
3: with, and why would you pick them? Uh, I guess if I had to quarantine with somebody for a while, I'd probably be Chris Daughtry because me and him, uh, man, we had a lot of time. We had fun on tour. He and I hung out, and I get along with all those guys. But just me and Chris, we're we're similar age, and a lot of those guys, I mean, for, for no other differences than it is, is they, some of them a lot older than me, and I just never really hung out with them that much. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were great people, and I, I love being on tour with them. But me and Chris, uh, we hung out all the time, man. We hung out every day just about. So
2: if you look back at when that album came out in, in 2000, kind of a, I'm going to call it genre twisting time, right? We're coming out of grunge rock. You know, you got the Britney Spears, the NSYNC, the whole Backstreet Boys thing going on. Right. And then for you guys to I think you're number 11 in in sales that year. Um, I mean, what's that like to be, you know, first of all, to maybe be representing rock in that time period. But having to make that kind of transition between what's on the radio is all these boys and young girls who are singing these songs. And here you guys are, you know, I'll call you kids yourselves, but you got a different sound than everybody else.
3: You know, I think that's something that uh, I think that was one of the things that contributed to the success of that record was that it, that it, you know it wasn't like some like masterful achievement. There just wasn't anything out like it at the time. There was a you know people ask me like sometimes like how did Kryptonite? What do you think was a, a why Kryptonite was so successful? It's like yeah, it's a good song and everything, but it was a whole a mile wide for it to walk right up through the middle of. You know what I'm saying? Because there just wasn't any songs out like that, right? Right then, you know, it's like you had like grungy stuff, or you had like really poppy stuff, and here comes like a song with like a like a triplet little 1950s, like Skippy beat almost, you know, and, and it's a rock song, you know, yeah. and it's something that that that's not, it's not like not something, it's not something that you're ashamed for your kids to listen to and stuff like that. And, and that's something I've always been really proud of is the fact that. That I, I my favorite thing to look off stage and see is a kid jamming with their parents and both of them having a good time show you know and um because i because if probably the main reason is because my the first few shows i ever seen was a lot of them are like country acts and stuff but a couple were country uh rock as well uh was my dad taking me to shows when i was a little kid and my daddy would have never taken me something to something that was dirty or something he just wouldn't have done it you know
0: you mentioned uh, a couple of times during this interview, the radio, you know, you remember that you, you knew all the DJs. Do you still love the radio? Cause we get mixed reactions for that because some people like podcasts and Spotify and all those things more, but do you miss the radio or do you still listen to the radio?
3: I do still listen to the radio. I do. Um, and, I I, I've always I've radio has always been our lifeblood and if if not for radio then you know because we've been by the grace of God we've been a very 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 successful band but if think about like if you think about like bands back in the day um think about uh, like the band Boston or something nobody now knows who that is we know who it is but you know those songs you don't know what those guys look like because they were a radio band and that was us. You know, what I mean, a lot of people know every one of our songs, they they couldn't pick me out of a lineup, you know what I'm saying? And that's fine with me. I always love that because we can have success and I can still go to Walmart. You know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> 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 well, Brad, this was a lot of fun. And, you know, we all love the song and we all, you know, we were so anticipating this. Uh, we appreciate it. We, th- we hope you had as much fun as we did. Man,
3: I hope I, I, I sincerely enjoyed uh, talking with y'all, and I hope y'all uh, enjoyed having me. I know I'm kind of a spaz, but I get around here, and I get all hyperactive during the well, day. <laughs> you know, Brad,
1: Brad it's, a, it's such a treat for us. I mean, you're talking to three guys from New Jersey right now. so Awesome, man. <laughs> we, we love hearing you talking about grinding stumps and, and all that <laughs> stuff. So Teach
2: uh, thank you, man. Later and, what, what was that, that uh, piece of equipment called? I'm going to go get one uh, sometime later today. A, a skid steer. Skid yes. steer.
0: Yeah, nice. man. That, 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 that'll happen. I'm sure that'll <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thanks also, again, you Brad.
3: I'll, I'll post a picture of when I put the claws back on it. I'll I'll get my wife to take a video and I'll put it on my Instagram. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, there we perfect. Go. <laughs> All right, Brad. <laughs> thanks <laughs>
1: again for joining us. We really appreciate the time. And
3: thank you guys for having me, man. I've had a blast. And God bless you guys. I hope you all have a great one. What a great
2: guest! Oh, he was—he was all full of energy. I have learned a lot about farm equipment today.
1: He was awesome. Just a real guy, very down to earth. Um, you know, he talked to us about a skid steer, which I could see Jeff is uh, jumping online right now to try to order himself one. Check, checking
2: prices at uh, Tractor Supply Company. Oh, I'm
1: sure. I'm sure. I mean, think about this guy, man. All the accolades this guy's had over the years. He's had what tw- over 20 million albums that he sold across the globe. To Grammy nomination, won two American Music Awards. Um, We didn't even talk about his charity, the Better Life Foundation, they've uh, donated over like $3 million to children and women's efforts, humanitarian relief efforts. Um, no, the really guy honorable. is the guy is a is, is the man. It's the man is awesome to have him on with us. Today. And if
0: you tuned in, and this is the beauty of a podcast, if you tuned, if this was a radio interview, if you tuned in the middle, you would have. If I gave you ninety nine guesses, you wouldn't have said that guy's three doors down. Oh yeah, not at <laughs> all. There's no way. And luckily, <laughs> you know, getting ready, we'd heard, I'd seen some YouTube clips of him, so we kind of knew what he was going to sound like. But wow, he came out of left field and he had a blast doing it. I like um, what
1: he said. Um, you know it's all about still having success and he can still go to
0: Walmart love that the American dream right there I like that he wrote Kryptonite and did it in band class yeah
2: yeah 20th anniversary that new LP set that just came out Um, I'm going to be picking that up because I really want to hear some of the earlier versions especially of, uh, of Kryptonite
0: should be yes. fun and uh, that's this kind of stuff this is hallowed ground and brad arnold certainly he's an iconic musician and now he is just one of our favorite interviews thanks for listening thanks for downloading continue to rate and review because that's how itunes ma- ma- uh, markets podcasts make sure you tune in to the hallowed ground